Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was just thinking, uh, Chrissy and Al, uh, Pastor Al, beyond that uh, four generations, that's so interesting, so great. So my wife's grandmother grew up, uh, came from Switzerland and was up in a dairy farm in Wisconsin. And she found Christ there because some evangelists came by in a little like uh, station wagon and put up a sign and had some kind of makeshift meeting. But her grandmother found Christ. And uh, then her dad was a minister, her mom served the Lord. She's a soldier. My wife is such a soldier. Um, and then you heard about the rest of this. I'm, I'm, I'm watching. My mom and dad, uh, my grandmother came from Poland and got saved in Pennsylvania in a mining town. Grew up Roman Catholic. And um, then my mom and dad served the Lord. My mom, Polish, my father's Ukrainian, my mom passed away this last March, but in November, just last month, she would have been 105 years old. She lived to 104. Polish, we're strong. We're not smart, but we keep moving. We just keep going ahead. So, praise the Lord. But my wife, um, as you know, is so gifted musically and um, She's such a soldier. I've been thinking a lot about, I've been getting recollections of when we began with less than 15 people and the first offering we took was $85 at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. She got a second job and I got a second job doing some coaching. I was a basketball player in high school and college. And, um, and we started, it was just so crazy. So just, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, I wasn't trained to be in the ministry, but God has different ways of preparing us, amen? You can't put God in a box. But my, my wife fought through so many difficult situations, you know, when you're in the inner city and you open the doors to everyone. We had no target group. Churches now have target groups, I can't stand that. If you're breathing, you're our target group, right? Uh, if, if Christ died for you, you're my target group, right? Uh, yeah. So anyway, she's been such a blessing, working so hard, so hard. But it's the greatest joy in the world is just to be serving Jesus. So I'm so happy to be here, and uh, I want to talk to you about something that will help you, really can help you, okay? So I don't know, I don't need any more keyboard, thank you. Um, so we have uh, in life seasons and one of the hardest seasons is um, in, at Christmas time is the long lines that you have in downtown Chicago, in the malls, in New York City. It just, many people don't even want to go, so they don't, and they just order online. And then you have to wait for it to come. So I want to talk to you about one of the most key things in serving Jesus, in being a person who has prayers answered, in having a victorious life. And it's found in one of the Psalms of David. This Psalm is attributed to David. It's Psalm 40, look at the screen. 
behind me, please. And let's read it. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. One of the best ways to read the Bible or really to face a lot of problems in life, if you're a leader, you pastor a church, uh, you're analyzing any kind of situation, but I found it helpful in reading the Bible is to ask the W's and the H's. The W's being what, where, who, uh, why, uh, when, and then some of the H's, which is how much, how many, sometimes they apply. And like when I got my card, my prayer card here today, I try to analyze, okay, what, what is going on? Who are we praying for? How long has the thing been going on? It helps you to pray. I found it very helpful in reading the scripture to try to ask, we're gonna focus tonight on what is going on in that verse and then why. You know, in life, it's when you're immature and shallow, you just look at just what is going on. You don't ask why. But the longer you walk with the Lord, you understand that the only, the, the only question is not what. What is she doing? What did he do? Who did he shoot? What, what went on? But why? So that you can help the person. This is not to justify whatever wrong they've done, but to really help someone, you just got to not know what, but why? What, why did that happen? And... Um, my dad uh, started drinking when I was 11 or 12, and he was an alcoholic for 22 years. One of the reasons I played so much basketball was I didn't want to be at home because it was, it was hellish, and my mother was getting beat, and, and it was very, very difficult. I couldn't have friends over, and um, so I just was in every playground in New York City playing hoops, and... Uh, Dad never made it to the wedding that my wife and I had when we got married. He was on a, just recovering one, on a weekend bender, just out of it. But the Lord delivered him after 22 years. My mom hung in there. And uh, the last 10 years of his life, he was sober as a judge. Not all judges are sober. I don't know why I said that. So <laughs> he, let's say he was really sober. Um, So um, it was very difficult going through that, but I remember trying to, as I got older, understand what, what drove him to drink. What, where did Satan get in there? What lie did he tell him? You understand what I'm saying? Anybody could just say the guy's a drunk. He lost his job. Okay, I got that. But why? Por qué? So, so oh, you all speak Spanish. That's good. <laughs> So, and uh, I was just down in Santo Domingo last week uh, doing a pastor's conference, and I was just all in my Latin culture. I've been 30 times just to Argentina and other countries all over Latin America, so I was practicing my Spanish. Maybe I'll say a few words tonight if I can remember them. But down there, they have some church customs that are really wild because in a lot of the churches there, they just yell out during the meeting, even though they're not sure what they're saying. You know, they just yell out, amen, amen, amen. 
You, you could just be saying, hi, I'm Jim Cimbala. Oh, amen, santo, santo, senor. Verdad or no verdad, right? So one time I was down there preaching, and the lady, it was wild. I was speaking, and a lady was next to a kid, and she just would shout out. I don't think she was listening to what I was saying, but she would just shout out, amen, amen. Santo, oh, she'd wave her head back and forth. So then as the meeting went on, her, her, her kid got a little troublesome and she's just, you know, listening to me, yelling out things. And then out of nowhere, she just whacked him. Cayete, shut up. Amen, amen, santo, santo, senor. I was like, what, what is this? This is surreal. Later on, this is true, later on in the same meeting, I looked down, she was filing her nails. She took out a nail file and she was going, yeah, oh, amen, amen, santo, santo, filing her nails. You can't make this stuff up, right? No. Who needs comics when you can just look at life, right? So let's, let's go backwards on this. I've asked them to put up verse three so we can say what and then why and learn something. So verse three says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. This is strong, is it not? Just keep it up there. This is very powerful. David, the psalmist, is found a place where in life he has a new song that God gave him. Notice he didn't write it. He said, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. He said, no, I'm full of joy. Always remember, brothers and sisters, if you want to be strong in spiritual warfare, because we have an enemy that we fight. Am I correct? You have to be joyful in the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Show me a sad Christian, I'll show you a weak Christian. Show me someone depressed and negative and, and sour grapes and the glass is always half filled. Automatically, that's a weak Christian. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when you draw near to God, he wants to strengthen us. One of the strategies that he uses is he gives us his joy. And that joy of the Lord is our strength. Temptations lose their power when you're rejoicing in the Lord. When you're depressed and feeling sorry and playing the victim card, temptations have much, much stronger hold on us. But this, at this moment in his life, no, God put a new song in my heart. And, um, and then he said also, not only that, I'm going to have an influence on my surroundings. Many are going to see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. In other words, I not only have a new song, what God has done in my life is going to influence others. I have a testimony. God permits tests so we can have a testimony. If you're going through a test tonight, I have a special word for you. So listen real close. Remember, never run from tests. God permits those tests so he can show how great he is in your life and he can give you a testimony to influence others so that when you wait, time out, so that when you want to help someone and they go, yo, you don't know what I'm going through, you can say, oh, yes. Oh, yes, I do. He put a new song in my mouth. And let me tell you what he did for me so that you can then trust him. So always remember, the test you go through, it's not just for you. It's for the person you're going to help. 
Everything my wife and I have ever been through as we travel around the country and around the world. I just came back from eight days in Korea. Uh, you're able to share with pastors the battles you went through and then you see them like I shared in one of those meetings over there in Yoido Full Gospel Church uh, in, in Seoul, Korea about in one of the, I, I speak five times in one day. Those people are serious over there, I'm telling you. Muy serio, yeah. Five times in one day. Each 70 minutes long. They told me that because they said, listen, you have an interpreter, so it's only really 35 minutes. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. I have to stand up here for 70 minutes each shot. Two in the morning, two in the afternoon, one at night. And in one of them, I shared about how God brought my daughter back. And you should have seen the ministers running up with their wives, crying out to God for their wayward children. So, so what God permitted my wife and I to go through it's not only that we could see his power, but that we could encourage others, amen? Can we give God a hand clap of praise, amen? So, he put a new song in my heart. That's what's happening. You wanna know what's happening? He put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to God. And many are gonna see and have a reverence for God now. And many are gonna put their trust in God, David said, because of this is what's happening in my life. So that, that's the what. Now what, what's the why? Why does he have a new song? Why does he have an influence? Well, let's go back to verse two. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. How about that? Out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a fir firm place to stand. David says, here's how I got my song. Here's how I got my influence. Here's how I got my testimony. I was in a slimy pit. So if David had a heart after God's own heart and Jesus is called not the son of Moses, the son of Abraham, but the son of David, that if God permitted David to go through some stuff, hey, you and I are gonna go through some stuff. That's just the way it is. Es lo que es. It is what it is. How many since you've been a Christian have been through some things? Come on, lift your hand up high. So don't believe that the phony faith teaching that if you serve God, you never have a problem and you're always driving a bigger car. Those are all con artists. They're after your money. Their seed faith is always for them to get wealthy, not you. So don't ever listen to that. Don't read the Bible. Don't listen to that. Check everything out by the word of God. David said, I was in the middle of God's will, but I ended up, we don't know the circumstances. I ended up in a slimy pit. Now over in Palestine, over in Israel, they have a lot of what we would call quicksand, muck and mire, that if you walk and you're not sure where you're walking, you start going down. And the more you fight, the more you struggle to keep up, that actually motion pulls you down. And unless someone's around with a branch uh, and can pull you out, you die. You die in those slimy pits. So now remember, this is all metaphorical. David is not talking about a literal pit. Sometimes there were pits. Jeremiah the prophet was one time put in a pit as punishment for delivering the word of the Lord. But this is a metaphor. This is a picture. We don't know what he's referring to, but he said, yo, I was in a mess. I was in a slimy pit. And the more I moved and tried to get out of my own power, the worse I got. That ever happened to anyone here? The more you try, instead of trusting, the worse it gets. 
That happened at the beginning when Chrissy went away from the Lord as a teenager all those years ago. The more I tried to manipulate and control her and out of love and, and pull her out, the worse she got. I tried everything, screaming, yelling, emotion, money, anything, because that's my girl. That's my oldest daughter. My wife and I love her. So, but David says, look, I was in a slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. But notice, he lifted me up. He said, you know why I have a song? You know why I'm influencing others? Because when I was in that pit, he reached down, and the picture in the Hebrew language is God reaching down in mercy and just pulling someone up out. The person has no power. Listen, no ability to get out. But a strong hand reaches down and pulls David out. Not only that, but he set my feet on a rock. That's not a physical rock. What he's saying there is he set my feet on, on a stable place. He just didn't pull me out so that I would wobble the rest of my life. No, my God is an awesome God. He picked me up out of the pit and he put me on a rock and then he gave me a, first, a firm place to stand. And actually some of the translations say he not only settled my feet there, but he began to guide me in the way I should go. If you're in a pit today, maybe it's a pit of your own making. He can pull you out and not just pull you out, get your feet on the rock, even the rock Christ Jesus. And then he will guide you. He'll show you the way to go. A lot of times we don't know where we're going. That's how we end up in the pit. We go by our own IQ. We think we're all that, but we ain't all that. And we end up messed up. But God has promised when you're in that pit, I can lift you up out of it and put your feet on a rock. So this is what gave the song and the testimony and all that. So I got that now. So let's go to the bottom of it. I know the what, now how about the why? Verse one, and I'm done. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. That's how the whole thing began. Yep, he was in a slimy pit. But he had trust in God. Notice, he turned to me and heard my cry. People who have real faith pray. Churches that have real faith pray. Everything else is illusory. Everything else is just bogus. In other words, when you have real faith, not mental faith, Demons have mental faith. They believe Jesus rose from the dead. They were there. But they don't have heart faith, surrender, dependence on the Lord. David had that. And he said, he heard my cry. I was in that pit and I cried to the Lord. I cried to the Lord. To some of you, that's strange language. But it's not strange according to the Bible. A lot of praying is just a cry. You don't need long, clever sentences. You don't have to preach a sermon when you pray and all of that. Some of the greatest prayers in the Bible are five, six words. Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Jesus, save me. I'm dying. Lord, touch me and I'll be clean. And that got a miracle. Sometimes we think it has to be like a whole dissertation. I heard, a, I heard a guy pray when I was a teenager. Every time he prayed, he, he like, I don't know what he was doing. <laughs> but oh, thou who inhabits eternity and walks in the corridors of timelessness and like, please tell me what you need. Just tell God what you need. 
Ask and you shall receive. Amen? Ask and you shall receive. But a lot of what we do is churchified. It's, it's Baptist stuff. It's fundamentalist, evangelical, Pentecostalism. It's all these isms. It's, it's not natural from the word of God like a child. When a child is in trouble, daddy help me. That's all. And God comes running. My late friend David Wilkerson who founded Teen Challenge, he one time was preaching at our church decades ago and he told a story there that I'll never forget. He was in, he had a house in Lindell, Texas, um, east of Dallas. And uh, he said he was there and I, I've been in that house a number of times with my wife, Carol, uh, when he and Gwen were alive there, living there. So his, his youngest boy um, was out in the woods and they, they, they had acres, I don't know how many acres they had, but they were living in this beautiful home. He was in the study. The windows uh, were, were kind of open. They had screens on them, but the windows were open. And he's there with his Bible. And his boy is out um, in the woods with some friends. And they had a lot of woods around there. So Dave was preaching and he said, you know, what happened was God really taught me a lesson. Because my son is with his friends and they're going and he takes a step and he gets right in the trap, animal trap. Whack! Thing just goes with the teeth on that, those traps, right? Just whack! And he doesn't know that. He's in his study. And his son, who knows how far away, but all those trees. His son just wailed, screamed. He's a young kid. Just, Daddy, help me, Daddy. And he told the congregation, and he talked to me later about it, over some little fellowship and food. He said, you know, Jim, I was at the desk and immediately that cry came to my ear. I was moving. I didn't even think. The cry came and I'm moving. That's my father's heart. My son's in trouble. He told the congregation, I want to tell you. He said, I never once thought, wait a minute, has my son been doing his chores lately? Has he been good? That's what Satan will put in your mind. Am I good enough for God to answer my prayer? Fiddlesticks. He says, when you cry, I will answer. Come on, can we say amen to that? That's the kind of praying Carol's grandmother did, her mother did. I've been around that since I was a kid. You know, there's praying and then there's praying. You know, in James it says, Elijah fervently prayed, but in the, uh, in the, in the Greek and in um, the literal Greek there, and they sometimes put it in the margin, what it literally says is, Elijah prayed in his praying. He really prayed. You know, then there are people who pray, and then there are people who pray, pray. <laughs> you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord myself. Okay. And then there's people who pray. And sometimes it's a cry, sometimes it's a tear. What you need tonight from God and your family and your life, the breakthrough you might need. You don't have to be eloquent. God's not looking for eloquence. He's not looking for ability. He's looking for availability, just someone who will trust him and say, God. And David says, listen, I trusted in God and I found myself in that slimy pit and I cried to the Lord and he turned my ear. Ah, but now I'm done we're not yet at the bottom. 
I waited patiently for the Lord. So what's the picture? I was in a slimy pit and I cried to him, but he didn't answer right away. But I waited patiently for the Lord. You know that word patiently isn't in the Hebrew text. What it literally says there, and that's common in the Hebrew language when they want to give emphasis, they do a double affirmation. What it literally says is, I waited in my waiting for the Lord. That's why they put, I waited patiently. One translation has, I waited expectantly. Because a lot of times there's disappointments. You pray, nothing happens. Now comes the test. The test of faith is to pray, the prayer of faith. The test of faith is waiting. And the hardest part of waiting is the last half hour. You got to wait for the Lord. Many people don't wait. They pray. They don't see anything happen, happening. Adios, muchachos. I'm out of here. I go to plan B real quick. Am I not correct? They don't wait. But God loves to see us wait. Check in your Bible. Look in your concordance this uh, week. All the times in Lamentations and in the Psalms and in the prophets. Oh, I waited for the Lord. Oh, my soul, David says, wait on the Lord. Don't give up. Wait. He's going to come, but you got to wait sometimes. Come on, how many have had some situations? You prayed, the answer did not come within five minutes. Lift your hand, right? Now what are we going to do? Are we going to believe in God's word and trust him and wait? Or what are we going to do? You know what some do? They quit. And you see them in churches still sometimes. Cynical, hard-hearted. They got cynical because what they believed God to do, it didn't happen. They either quit and leave following the Lord or they sit in churches, but they just poo-poo anybody who's, oh, that's fanaticism, emotionalism, you know, call on God, call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things. Yeah, like later, please. I tried that. It didn't work. But you didn't wait. Didn't wait. You got to wait. You got to wait. Because God's timing is not my timing. Do you, do you receive that tonight? God, God is faithful, but his timing is not our timing. How many disappointments my wife and I have faced? How many times we pray? I'm going through, nothing's changed. I'm going through one right now. Um, huge, uh, some huge things happening in, in our church and developmental rights and things that will really bless the kingdom. I think they're materializing right now, but we, oh, the weight. But I've learned a long time ago, you can't rush God. You pray, you believe, you hang on, and then you wait. And you worship while you wait. You didn't get all down in the face and get all sad and melancholy, you wait. Oh, blessed are those who wait for the Lord. They will never be ashamed. Blessed is the man or woman who puts their trust in the Lord. They'll never be embarrassed, never. You'll never be embarrassed. But if you quit, you will. Or how about this? How many people have ruined their life because they wouldn't wait? You single people, listen to me now. They, you won't wait, you got lonely. Oh, where's that one God has for me? Trust him and wait. No, I don't have time to wait. Oh, look at her. She'd be fine. She'd be looking fine. Oh, I, I like that. 
Yeah, she'd be looking fine. <laughs> then you'll end up in a pastor's office with your life torn apart, your heart broken, right? Listen, so what I'm saying is here, wait on the Lord. David says, listen to my story. Yeah, I had a song. He gave me a psalm. I blessed other people by my testimony. Why? Because I was in a pit. Slimy, I couldn't get out, but he reached down and he got me. Why? Because I called upon him and his ear was open, but I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited. I waited patiently for the Lord. You might be a half hour away from the God's answer, but don't quit, don't give up. You know, on the locker room and all the colleges I played in and Madison Square Garden and NCAA tournament, teams would often have, it's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. Quit waiting. Give up. I travel around the whole country. I, I meet all kinds of pastor, uh, ministers. I have to say, yeah, pastors too, but all kinds of parents, I, I wanted to say, who've quit praying for their children. Why? Because they prayed and nothing happened, so they quit. They're not going to wait. They're not going to pray. They're going to just throw in the towel. Later, guess it didn't work. That's a lie. That's from Satan. When Satan talks, he lies. That's his language, Jesus said. He lies. God says, you wait. And by the way, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll, they'll mount up with wings like an eagle. They'll run, not be weary. They'll walk, they won't faint. Oh, wait, my soul. I see that all the time in David and the Psalms. He's, he's preaching to himself, wait. Because our thing is we're all hyper. We're all type A. We see a line. You, I know some of you, you go to that uh, store, uh, grocery store, and has a checkout counter, 10 items or less, and you see that it's a lot less. You got 24 items. Why are you getting on that line? <laughs> because you can't wait. You don't want to wait. The lady in front of you has 38 items. I'm that way too. I don't want to wait. I want everything yesterday. How many are with me? Say amen. I want just yesterday. And God says, no, I got something great for you. Wait. Trust me. Worship me and wait. When you're reading the Christmas story, I close, brother, if you play something. When you read the Christmas story this year, and they are dedicating Jesus in the temple, Mary and Joseph, and Anna the prophetess is there. She had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. She was now old, old, 90-something widow. She never left the temple just waiting. And God said, what, you're going to wait like that? Good, I'll let, I'll let you hold him in your arms. I'll let you see him because you were willing to wait. God's never late, but we just got to learn to wait. Let's close our eyes. If you're here today, tonight, you believe in God for something. Let's just, you know, brother, we could sing that song that you were singing before, Jesus, I love you. Um, if you're here tonight and you believe in God for something, and this word has spoken to you, the scripture, not me, I'm just, I'm nobody, I'm just a voice trying to preach the word of God. 
Um, if you're here today, maybe it's for a child, it's for a calling on your life, it hasn't happened. It's confirmation about something you're facing, the confirmation hasn't come, a decision you have to you make, and you're not sure. Please, I plead with you, wait. Wait for the Lord. He'll confirm it. He'll open the door. He'll break the chain. He'll bring the answer. But you got to not just cry from the pit. You got to wait for the Lord. Wait, wait. God is faithful. He's coming. Many of the, my biggest disappointments have led to the biggest blessings in the history of the Brooklyn Tabernacle. While we've been like, oh, no. And, and God says, no, I'll show you. And then 14 months later, whoa, look what God has done. But we had to learn to wait. Wait. If you're here today and got something that you just want to bring to the Lord and say, God, I'm trusting you. You know what's in my heart. The pastor doesn't. But you know what's in my heart. I'm giving it to you, and I am sealing the deal. I will trust in you, and I will wait for you. I'm not just trusting you and praying. I'm waiting now. I'm waiting in confidence. My answer is on the way. Just open your eyes for a second. Just look at me. It just comes to me today. I mentioned it while they were filming me about Chrissy's story. So I've been praying, praying for Chrissy. We went, my wife and I went through a two and a half year long nightmare, no light at the end of any tunnel. So God began to just build faith in me. I was not talking to her then for a number of months. God kind of spoke to me, don't talk anymore, just talk to me. Just talk to me. You're talking to her hasn't helped one bit. Just cut off contact and talk to me, see what I'll do. So I was preparing a sermon in my living room one o'clock in the morning. I just shared it with the people filming us today. So um, the Lord seemed to speak to my heart and said, you believe I'm gonna do this? That I'll bring her back? I say, yes, Lord, I do. See, I was split because I'm trying to pastor a church and preach and start other churches. My wife is renting out Radio City Music Hall and we're doing outreaches and all this stuff is going on. And then my, heart, my heart's broken because my, my daughter's not there. So I'm going, Lord, I believe you'll do this. So whenever, wherever you go, or anywhere I send you, I want you when I prompt you to tell people what I did in answer to just simple people praying, believing, yes, Lord. So you believe I'll do this for you? Yes, the, I'm telling you the best I'm, I felt the Lord speaking to me. Then praise me. No, Lord, when she comes, I'll praise you. No, praise me now. I went, but Lord, I'm ready to praise you. But bring her back first. No, praise me while you're waiting. And I stood up as God is my holy witness. I stood up in the living room, tears running down my cheeks, lifted both my hands, one o'clock in the morning. I began to praise God and wait and say, I know she's coming. Don't know how, don't know when exactly it'll happen, but I'm praising you now for what you're gonna do. And that's what I'm gonna ask you to do. Those of you who need something from the Lord, get up out of your seat. Come on, just stand up, stand up right out of your seat so I can pray over you. 
Come on, stand up. Don't be embarrassed. I've been totally transparent with you. Everyone standing, come on up quick to the altar. Come on, quick. Rapido. Come on. Child or whatever it might be. Come on, just get close. Yeah, don't worry. God sees those tears, ma'am. Everybody here in the front, just lift up your hands and begin to praise him before we ask him for anything. Come on, just praise him. By faith, praise him. While we're waiting, praise him. Gloria tu nombre, Señor. Gloria tu nombre, Señor. Te amo, Señor. Te amo, Señor. Praise him out loud. Gloria tu nombre, Señor. Gloria tu nombre, Señor. We're not ashamed to praise you out loud, Lord. He works for those who wait for him. Yes. He works for those who wait for him. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Everybody in the building, just open your mouth a little while longer and tell them, I love you, Lord. I believe in you, trusting you, waiting for you. It's coming down the road. Don't know where, don't know when, how, but it's coming. Because my God is a faithful God. Yes, Lord. For our church, for this church, Lord, you know all that we face. every person, Lord. Father God, I thank you for your word today. I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard my cry. He turned. Oh yes, he lifted me out of a miry pit, out of the muck and the mire. Set my feet on a rock, held my hand and walked me in the way I should go. Oh, yes, and he put a new song in my heart, a hymn of praise to God. Many now are going to hear and be in awe and will put their trust in him. But it all started with, I waited patiently. I waited patiently for you, Lord. God, we confess that our timing is not your timing. Your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. We humble ourselves before you. But one thing we know, Dios es bueno. You are good, God. You are good, God. You are good, God. And you're going to help us. And we're going to see signs and wonders and miracles. As we pray and we wait and we worship. So God, every son and daughter that's away, bring them back. Bring them back, Lord. Bring them back. Wake them up now, tonight even, Lord. Just send one dream to them. Speak to them, wherever they might be, in a car, in a shower. If they're around bad people, get rid of the bad people, Lord. Let there be a breakup. Let there be a breakup, Lord. 
We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. And then after we wait, we're going to wait. And we're going to worship. We're going to praise. And we're going to rejoice in the God of our salvation. No matter what we see or don't see, no matter what it seems, we're not walking by feelings. We're walking by faith, Lord. Not by sight, but by faith. Thank you, Jesus.